That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. Good morning, y'all. It's Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. And uh, looking outside, it's a beautiful fucking day to be alive here in Callahan, Colorado. It's uh, snowing and it's windy. It snowed a lot last night. But uh, I won't be here in Callahan for very long. I'm going to be moving into Colorado Springs at the beginning of February. Super stoked for that. But uh, I just want to hop on the podcast, do a little open tabs, do a little uh, review of how things have been and how I've been. So, uh, yeah, we can get started. I hope everybody's having a good day. If you're on your way uh, Monday morning on your morning commute, I hope... uh, the drive ain't too bad, and I hope there ain't too much traffic. Um, as for me, I uh, started 75 hard about 11 days ago. Today I'm on day 12. I'm feeling better. I feel like uh, my skin, my face is looking better. I'm sleeping better. That's been huge. Uh, drinking a gallon of water a day has been good. Been having super vivid dreams. Been strict on my two 45-minute workouts a day. That's been fun. A couple days ago, I uh, didn't do my second 45-minute workout, and it was uh, real windy outside, 15 degrees with a 6-degree wind chill. I uh, had no choice, but I went outside, did a 5-mile run, came back, ice on my beard, but I felt good. I got it done. Gave myself no choice. Probably almost got hypothermia. But that's okay. I didn't. I'm alive and I am well. What else is new? Uh, Went to uh, Texas for the holidays. Got to visit my family. Stayed with my pops. Got to visit my brothers. My brother came into town. My brother from San Francisco. And uh, my other brother was back from college. So that was fun. Uh, hang out with my brothers, celebrated my brother's birthday, that was cool, shout out to Anthony, December 29th was his birthday, so that was awesome, uh, I got a new, uh, oh, my, my brother actually, he got me a, a gift from Amazon, he got me a, a fire pit that I was supposed to use, but, uh, the RV park that I'm at doesn't allow wood-burning fire pits or charcoal. So I ended up returning it, but I did get myself a uh, thousand time uh, magnification microscope. So I'm super excited to break that out. Um, That's compliments of him since I returned what he got me and uh, I got that. So I'm going to see what I can find, go on runs, maybe get some lake water. I need to get those little uh, glass... What are those things called? Those little glass, those little glass panes that you put water on, and then you put two together, flatten the water out. I gotta get some of those. 
I'm trying to see if I can catch some snowflakes, look at the snowflakes under the microscope. That'll be cool. Um, but after my trip from Texas, I had a hell of a time when I got back. So I got back January. I stayed there in Texas through the new year. Happy holidays and happy new year to everybody. Welcome to 2022. Uh, I know I'm jumping around, but guess what? Shit ain't going to get better. It's only, excuse me, shit ain't getting better. It's only going to get worse. If you thought 2022 was your savior, golly, you are fucking off. 2022 is going to be a hell of a ride. Right now, as we speak, markets are tanking. Crypto market is tanking. (laughs) It's wild to watch everybody losing their shit. But uh, places are opening back up, from my understanding. COVID, people, countries are limiting restrictions, not forcing workers to get vaccinated. So it's a beautiful thing. We're moving along. All you got to know is mind your own damn business. Keep your head up and keep pushing forward. So uh, where was I? I was uh, I came back January. I want to say January third. I got back to my trailer. Uh, while I was gone, it had got down to one degree out here, uh, with a wind chill of I believe it was negative eleven. And so I got back in my trailer, hooked up the water, and when I turned the water on, uh, water just started spraying. Out of the back, so the back side of the trailer is where the the water tank is and where the water inlet is. That whole back side of my trailer just started flooding, just water, just gushing everywhere. And uh, I realized it was coming from where my water heater tank was. So I'm a moron. Uh, when I left, I opened up the faucet, shut the water, the main water source outside. I shut that off. I opened up the faucets. But what I did not do was uh, drain the water heater tank. And so uh, this is my first time in a trailer. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but in hindsight, what I should have done was asked somebody here with experience or looked it up. Hey, if I'm going to be leaving for, you know, a longer uh, amount of time, what should I do to prep my trailer? But I didn't do that. All I do is clear the faucet lines, but I did not empty the water heater tank. So my water heater tank froze while I was gone because I had turned off the heater inside. I wasn't going to run the heater inside the trailer for two two weeks. So uh, the water heater split, and uh, as it was filling up with the water coming in, it was just basically uh, flowing out of the split in the tank. Uh, so... That was a pretty bad situation. I had to get, grab towels, clean that up. And uh, I didn't have water for a couple of days, which wasn't a big deal. Um, because I was in my trailer and, and I didn't really need it. Uh, I also had a friend here who helped me out. But um, yeah, so I uh, ordered a new water tank. Uh, when that water tank came in, I was able to swap the tank out. Initially, I thought I was going to have to change the whole water heater but luckily that wasn't the case luckily the case was that i just had to swap the water tank out so instead of it costing six to seven hundred for a whole new water heater it was about three hundred for the tank so got the tank in spent a saturday or no uh, a friday spent about four or five hours 
removing the tank and then uh, putting the new one on. So I got that all squared away, uh, put the tank back, put the water heater back together, and uh, I was stoked. I turned the water on and it filled the tank no problem, no leak. It was, uh, you know, a blessing. And then I come over to the faucet, turn the faucet on, and water starts spraying everywhere. So if you're merely familiar with like a, a kitchen faucet, you have the left handle and the right handle. And uh, coming up to, the, to each handle, the cold and the hot water, you have two lines. You have the cold water line going to the cold handle, the hot water line going to the hot water handle. And then you have a tube that goes from each handle. It connects those two because that's where the water goes. And that tube goes from each line and then up to the center spout. And uh, that, that tube was filled with water when I had left. So that little tube connecting the two uh, handles where the water comes in and goes to the spout that had cracked on my old faucet. So uh, I had to shut the water off. Everything under my sink was, was soaked. There was just water everywhere under my sink. So I had to take everything out, dry all that, and then that night I had to go to Walmart, buy a new faucet, and uh, replace that as well. But once I got that squared away, we were tip-top magoo. Everything was good, and uh, since then it's been a good time. We've had some snow. Uh, it's been real cold. It hasn't been too crazy, but I think the lowest it's gotten out here right now, since I've been back, is like maybe 11 degrees, um, which isn't too bad because I'm in the trailer. I'm able to keep the trailer heated and keep it around a nice 65, just throw a sweater on, throw some wool socks on, and uh, we're fucking, we're banging. So uh, that's the update on me, doing 75 hard, feeling good, looking good, having really vivid dreams, sleeping well. Uh, eating well, getting my exercise in. Uh, I owe that to a lot of the people at Comal Active in that community that I built back in Texas, fit people, people who are just always actively trying to get better. So shout out to them. Um, but yeah, everything's great. And uh, so let's get started on this open tabs. I've, I've left these tabs open because I wanted to do this segment. I've just been delaying it. <clears throat> so we'll get started. I don't know why I looked this up, but number one, how to duplicate plants from a stem cuttings. Oh, I think I was having a conversation with my friend about uh, what is it called where you cut two, where you cut a stem from one plant and uh, put it into another. You know, it's very crazy. People may not be aware of this, but it's possible to cut, uh, cut a plant. Like, let's say you have a, a plum tree. You can cut a, uh, <clears throat> a piece of that plum tree, a, a stem, and then basically it's called propagation. So propagation is, uh, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. Oh, no, propagation's different. So this, what I looked up is um, how to duplicate plants from stem cuttings. That's called propagation. So... That's where you multiply a plant by rooting simple stem cuttings. So what happens is uh, 
What you do is you cut the stem, and then there's a certain way to put it into the ground. Let's see. For example, hydrangeas roots, hydrangeas root well from both softwood and hardwood cuttings. Roses root, roses root cuttings taken at all three stages. So you can cut uh, roses in different ways, but basically you cut the stem and uh, you plant it into the ground. There's it's, there's a lot more into this. But uh, essentially, there's a lot of plants that you can just cut from the stem and plant into the ground. And I guess uh, you're able to create a new plant. What I was thinking of before was, uh, I think it's called grafting. Where basically you cut <clears throat> a stem from one plant. And then you cut open like a slice of uh, the stem from another plant. And then you basically insert the original stem that you had cut. Put it into the new slice area of the new plant and then tape them together and then it'll grow on it so you can combine like a plum and a peach and you can have one plant that uh that fruits two different fruits it's pretty fascinating i've never seen it but i've read about it and i know that there are people in texas who do it very very interesting if anybody's got a, a plant that has two different fruits Please send a picture my way. I'm very interested uh, in what you got and how it worked. So that is propagation. Duplicating plants from stem cuttings. Second tab. What happens if you pull, put salt into your eyes? Alright, so this is just a fat ass moment for myself. Uh, but uh, back when I was in Texas visiting for the holidays, I was uh, eating popcorn and on my popcorn, I throw the tahin, the fruit seasoning, and it's got salt in it. And uh, I had put, uh, I, I rubbed my eye, and I guess there was a piece of salt on my finger. And it got directly into my eye and just started burning. I, I It was very interesting. I, I didn't know what was happening. I ran to the bathroom and just started uh, spraying water into it, but <clears throat> here's what it says. If you put table salt directly into your eyes, which is a stupid thing to do, I believe. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. I didn't do it on purpose, but your eyes would really sting. Your eyes would produce lots of tears. Some of the salty tears would go down the back of your throat and su interesting would go down the back of your throat and surprise you because you never bothered to learn what happens to the normal tears in your eyes when you aren't weeping. And that ought to be enough to convince you not to put more salt into your eyes. Let's see. Uh, what happens is... Okay. Uh, it creates a hypertonic solution in your tear film which is uncomfortable. It literally draws moisture out of the corneal surface, drying the cells. And it also, and also, if you start blinking before the salt crystals are dissolved into the tear film, the salt crystal will scratch your cornea. Then your eyes will sting even more. So that's basically what happened to me. A piece of salt got into my eye. I must have blinked a couple times. That shit scratched my cornea, dried my eyeball out. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good, but I survived. My eyes are fine. And, uh, let's see. My left eye's pretty, pretty blurry. It's always been blurry. I thought maybe I had better vision or something.
Maybe a miracle came out of it, but yeah, my left eye is fucked. My right eye has better vision than my left eye. It's actually quite interesting. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people have better vision in one eye than the other. So let's see. Next tab. How long is shrimp good for in the fridge? The reason I ask is uh, back while I was in Texas, we had made uh, some ceviche, some shrimp ceviche. And uh, I had left it in the fridge and wanted to eat it. So I googled this to make sure I would be safe. But uh, it says shrimp typically lasts three to four days when properly cooked and stored. Whereas they may last 10 to 12 months when stored in the freezer. So there you go. Three to four days in the fridge. So if you guys are making ceviche with shrimp in it. Or you guys cook anything with shrimp. Be sure to eat it in three to four days. Hopefully you guys... Uh, get a little something out of all these things that I Google. Number three, or this might be number four. How much money is a rack? A rack is $1,000 in the form of 10 $100 bills. Uh, so that is used in, I guess, slang terms. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend of mine and I were, I guess, talking about, uh, Money and money and rap music, and so we were curious how much a rack is. Second question, there's another question on here. How much is a band? A band, oh, interesting. A band usually refers to ten or to a thousand dollars in cash as well. Blue bands are stacks of ten thousand dollars, as new one hundred dollar bills have blue ribbons sewn into them. And would likely be stacked in groups of hundreds. Next one. Ooh, this is a good one. Why does your nose run when it is cold? So if anybody has gone running in uh, really cold weather or just been outside in general in really cold weather, uh, you may notice that your nose runs. And so uh, I Googled it because it was happening to me here in Colorado. So it says... When we breathe in, our noses, our noses warm the air and add moisture to it as it travels down into our lungs. Cold, dry air irritates the nasal lining. And as a result, your nasal glands produce excess mucus to keep the lining moist. So that's what causes those big heavy drips from your nose. So if you all didn't hear that, the cold air irritates the nasal lining because it dries it out that is the problem and so as a countermeasure your nasal glands produce excess moisture to keep the lining moist another question so uh like i mentioned i just got that microscope and it's only uh, a thousand times uh magnification and so i was curious and thinking about things that i could that I could uh, check out under the microscope. So I googled. What magnification. What magnification. Would you need. To be able to see SARS-CoV-2. Or just the coronavirus. So according to this website here. In order to see COVID. Under the microscope. You would need. 
a magnification of 60,000 times. And I only have a 1,000. So, looks like I ain't going to be seeing coronavirus anytime soon. But it says, human coronavirus 22E magnified at 60,000 via negative contrast electron microscopy. Microscopy. And this is from the University of Texas Medical Branch, Galveston, Texas. There are some pretty interesting uh, pictures of coronaviruses and uh, MERS, MERS-CoV, MERS-CoV, and SARS-CoV, and SARS-CoV-2. Uh, these are all taken under those uh, electron microscopes. Very interesting website if you're interested. Uh, it's called microscope.com. So um, my assumption is if you just Google coronavirus microscope.com, you'll be able to pull up this page and you can see what these um, these different viruses and uh, particles look like. All right, moving on. Can dry air cause congestion? So interesting, when I got back from Texas, Texas has some of the worst cedar fever I've experienced. I haven't been that many places, but that shit sucks. Cedar trees everywhere, your allergies are just off the chain. And uh, when I got back, <clears throat> when I got back to uh, Colorado, I was still having some congestion. And I was curious, because I had left Texas, that if it wasn't the allergies, what was it? So I wanted to see if dry air can cause congestion. Uh, when the air you breathe is too dry, the mucus in your nose and sinuses won't flow properly. And your sinuses won't drain as well as they should. Congestion can lead to Sinus pain and sinusitis. So, if you have dry air, oh, it does also say dry air can commonly cause nasal congestion, according to Health Magazine. Um, so, that's why a humidifier may be good. I was looking into getting a humidifier, but I never did. My congestion went away, my breathing is good. And I haven't been having any allergies or any congestion, so I'm good on that end. Oh, here's another thing I looked up. What are the benefits of a humidifier? Because I wanted to know in case I wanted to get one. So I'll read you some of the benefits. And uh, some of the risks if you guys need a humidifier. Let's see here. Let's see. Let's see. Benefits of using a humidifier. Humidifiers can help people who experience dry skin, irritated eyes, dryness in the throat or airways, allergies, frequent coughs, bloody noses, sinus headaches, or cracked lips. It can help prevent, it can help prevent influenza. So it says, authors of one study noted that humidifiers might reduce the risk of catching the flu. After adding the influenza virus, influenza virus to their air with a simulated cough, researchers found that humidity levels above 40% rapidly deactivated virus particles, making them much less likely to be infectious. Interesting. <clears throat> Number two, it could also make a cough more productive. So if you have dry air, you'll have a dry, unproductive cough. 
adding humidity will get moisture to the airways, which can make a cough more productive. It could also reduce snoring. So when the air is dry, the airways are less likely to be sufficiently lubricated, which can lead to uh, snoring that is worse than before. Uh, it keeps the hair and the skin moist. And it will keep your house, it says it could keep your house uh, looking more vibrant as house plants will become more vibrant. Wood floors and furniture may last longer. It may also help prevent wallpaper from cracking and static electricity from building up. Who the fuck has wallpaper nowadays? If you have wallpaper, take that shit off. Just get some nice plain walls, alright? <clears throat> Risks. Dirty humidifiers. Dirty humidifiers. Humidifiers that are dirty uh, can foster germs. So you could be breathing in germs if you have a dirty humidifier. You could also have too much humidity. And so access levels, excess, excuse me, excess levels can make breathing difficult and some allergy symptoms worse. Uh, for example, common allergens including dust mites, mold, and mildew thrive in damp environments. Using hard water or tap water. Uh, unfiltered tap water can contain higher levels of minerals and other particles than purified or distilled water. Minerals from hard tap water can build up in the machine, causing it to wear down faster than expected. The humidifier may also push these minerals into the air, and a person may inhale them. The particles may also settle around the room as dusk. dust. Jesus Christ, I can't read. Other risks. Uh, dust mite and mold growth can be promoted in more humid environments. Humid environments. And uh, humidifier... Some other risks associated with using humidifier include steam burns from units that use heat and the growth of mold where moisture has accumulated on walls and ceilings. There you go. If you were in need of humidifier, you have the risks and the benefits, but also do your own research because this is all bro science and I'm just reading shit that I find online. Another question I asked. Uh, so I got a little bottle... Um, when my aunt had come visit before or right around Thanksgiving, she saw that my skin was a little dry, so she got me a little bottle of that uh, Vaseline uh, skin protectant stuff, which I was looking on the back of it, and it is petroleum jelly. So I googled, what is petroleum jelly? I'm assuming everybody knows what petroleum jelly is, but they don't know what it is. So they know what petroleum jelly is. They don't know what it is. So petroleum jelly <clears throat> is a translucent jelly consisting of a mixture of hydrocarbons used as a lubricant or ointment. And let's, let's see what it actually is and what it actually comes from. So, looking on here, what is petroleum jelly made of? And this is taken from healthline.com. Petroleum jelly, also called petrolatum, is a mixture of mineral oils and waxes which form a semi-solid jelly-like substance. 
The product hasn't changed much since Robert Augustus Cheeseboro discovered it in 1859. Cheeseboro noticed that oil workers would use a gooey jelly to heal their wounds and burns, and he eventually packaged this jelly as Vaseline. Petroleum jelly comes from its main ingredient, petroleum, which helps seal your skin with a water-protective barrier. This helps your skin heal and retain moisture. So some of the benefits, minor heal, minor scrapes and burns, moisturize face, hands, and more. Help for pet paws. So if your paws have cracked uh, paws, you could throw some petroleum jelly on there. It helps prevent diaper rash. It helps remove eye makeup, and it helps save split ends. So if you rub, ladies, this is for you, if you rub a small amount of jelly between your palms and apply it to your hair ends, it could help prevent those split ends. Prevent skin stain from hair dye or nail polish. Preserve perfume scents. Use as a lube for stuck objects. Use as a lube. Interesting. <laughs> Dangers of petroleum jelly. While petroleum jelly has many benefits, it should be for external use only. Do not eat or insert petroleum jelly. Avoid using it. <laughs> Jesus. Avoid using petroleum jelly for masturbation or as vaginal lubricant. According to Routers, a study of 141 women found that 17% used petroleum jelly internally and 40% of them tested positive for bacterial vaginosis. So, I mean, that is such a small number. 17% used it internally. Let's do the math on this and see. And I mean, I'm not saying use it, right? But let's see the real risk. So if 141 women used it, and 17% used it internally, okay, that would be 0.17, would be to about right about 24 people. So 24 people used it internally, and out of those 24, oh fuck, 40% of them actually, that's a lot. So about 10 of them out of the 24 tested positive for bac bacterial vaginosis. Yeah, I don't use that shit. Use something else. <clears throat> But as far as my understanding, petroleum jelly used externally is uh, good for you. It, um, I don't think there are many side effects. Here are a few side effects that they point out. Allergies, some may be more. Uh, some people may be more sensitive to petroleum-derived products. Keep it out of your eyes. Infections, not allowing the skin to dry or cleaning the skin properly before applying the petroleum jelly can cause fungal or bacterial infections. Um, before using it in the nose area, you should check with children, and uh, it could clog your pores. So some people may break out when using petroleum jelly. All right, moving on. Can drinking too much milk cause lactose intolerance? So this is one that um, I'm, I'm pretty sad about. Within the last, I would say, two years, maybe three, I've noticed that my, uh, my lactose intolerance has gotten worse. So it started with uh, <clears throat> one of the days that I really, really noticed it was I was on my way back. 
I remember it pretty vividly. I was on my way back from a trip from uh, the mountains in California with my cousins, and we stopped at McDonald's, and I got myself one of my favorites, an Oreo McFlurry. And uh, eating it on the way back, and on the drive back, my stomach started just oh, just the worst pain. And I, I clenched my butt cheeks, made it all the way back, and uh, so went straight into the bathroom, and, and that's when I realized... It was one of those, you know, bathroom sits where you're just banging your head on the wall, just rubbing your legs, you know, oh, just in pain and agony. I realized that I had some sort of lactose intolerance and uh, McDonald's, I mean, McDonald's isn't real milk, so that was part of the problem, but um, that's how it started. And then uh, I started... So after that, I said, you know what? Not getting anything with dairy for McDonald's. Fuck McDonald's dairy. I'm down for their fries. Their McNuggets are, are good. Uh, but uh, nothing with dairy. And so I was drinking regular milk at the time, like uh, 1%, just regular dairy. And uh, I was doing okay. But then when I got back to Colorado this past time, I was using uh, milk, regular milk in my coffee. And I was having stomach aches and, and bad number twos. And uh, it wasn't ba- as bad as the McDonald's one, but it definitely was enough to be noticeable. And so I stopped using regular dairy at all and started drinking lactate. And uh, the issue has gone away. But Googling this, it says overconsumption of dairy products can actually cause those lactase enzymes to deplete faster as they are being overworked. Signs of lactose intolerance include stomach bloating, gas, stomach pain, nausea, and diarrhea after consuming dairy products. So there you go. I don't think I was uh I don't think I was drinking too much, but just having or drinking whole milk, what I was using whole milk for my coffee, uh, it just, it wasn't good for me, so, I stopped drinking, started drinking lactate, and since then, it's been smooth sailing. Next one, why do Coke and Mentos react? So, I'm sure everybody has seen uh, Coke and Mentos experiments, where you drop uh, Mentos into a Coke bottle, uh, like a two-liter bottle, and it, it shoots a fountain. Any adults who are listening to this and have young kids, it's a fun experiment to do outside. Uh, I would say get Diet Coke or Diet. Just go go to Walmart if you want to do it with your kids. It's real fun. Go to Walmart, get some uh, Diet Coke, but don't buy like a name brand cola. You can just buy like Diet Walmart brand Coke. It's like a dollar for a two-liter bottle. Buy four or five of those. Go buy a couple packs of regular mint Mentos, not like the flavored ones, just regular ones. And uh, you drop them into the bottle and they shoot up and it creates a fountain. Um, So it says, as the Mentos candy sinks into the bottle, the candy causes the production of more and more carbon dioxide bubbles. And the rising bubbles react with carbon dioxide that is still dissolved into the soda to cause more carbon dioxide to be freed and creating even more bubbles, resulting in the eruption. So what it says, let me read, uh, American Chemical Society, Mentos and Diet Coke. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Okay. 
this video is playing. Let me stop this video right quick. Try to read this. What is happening? So here's a close-up. Oh, my God. Turn this shit off. Why do bubbles... So what's happening? Why do the bubbles form on the different things you put in the soda? The bubbles are made of a gas called carbon dioxide. The soda company puts carbon dioxide in the soda to make soda fizzy. The things you put in the soda aren't really as smooth as they look with just your eyes. If you if you could look at the straw, pipe cleaner, if you could look at the straw, pipe cleaner and mento with a super strong microscope, you would see that they have tiny dents or scratches or bumps on them. The carbon dioxide molecules collect on these places and form bubbles which rise to the surface. So what happens is uh, the Mentos, if you were to zoom in like real, real close, it's got little dents and little uh, pockets on it. And what happens is the carbon dioxide in the soda fills these little dents, which creates more carbon dioxide. And uh, so that is how it happens. This is bro science. This is the real basis. If you want to get real into it, you're going to have to Google it yourself. But uh, that's essentially how it works. I also Googled, who is Elias, Charlie Sheen movie. So I was listening to a, uh, a book, and they mentioned this. It's the movie Platoon. I got to watch it. 8.1 out of 10 on IMBD, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, 92% on Metacritic. Platoon, Chris Taylor, Charlie Sheen, who is played by Charlie Sheen, leaves his university studies to enlist in combat duty in Vietnam in 1967. Once he's on the ground in the middle of battle, his idealism fades. In fighting in his unit between Staff Sergeant Tom Bergner, Sergeant Barnes, who believes nearby villagers are harboring Viet Cong soldiers, and Sergeant Elias, William Defoe, <clears throat> who has a more sympathetic view of the locals, ends up pitting the soldiers against each other as well as against the enemy. Interesting. Gonna have to check that movie out, Platoon. And last one. What is the best treatment for anterior tibia, tibialis, tibialis? Anterior tibialis pain. So, last night, uh, I've been doing a lot of trail running out here, and last night I was feeling my uh, shin, like the outside muscle. So, you have your shin bone, the front, and then right on the outside, you have this fat muscle that goes along that shin bone. Uh, that is your anterior tibia, anterior tibia. And so, anterior tibia, uh, tibialis, 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 anterior tibialis. Uh, is the is the anterior muscle unit that runs down the front of your shin, just outside of your shin bone. Um, so a, a big issue that can cause problems is running, your foot strike. And so its main function is to dorsiflex the ankle, pulling your foot upwards towards your knee. So as you're running, you're pulling your foot upward, and uh, that, that uh, muscle is being flexed. If you... If you have your foot relaxed and then you pull it upward and you put your hand on that muscle on the side of the shin, you can feel that that muscle flexes. Um, and I was having pain there and it was tender. So what I did was I got a ball and I just rolled it along that muscle all night last night. It feels pretty sore this morning. Um, 
but I'm assuming it's because of my trail running and all the running I've been doing. Uh, every night I'm going to continue to massage this muscle, and usually uh, these muscle pains go away, but yeah, it's pretty tender today. So that is this episode of Open Tabs. Thank you guys for uh, listening. If you're still listening, you're a real one. 40 minutes worth of just me rambling, talking about shit that I googled, and uh, hopefully you learned something new. Um, so, for the next episode, I will let you guys know whenever I build up a new list of tabs, and uh, hopefully I can teach you guys something else in the next one. Hopefully your morning commutes are going well. Again, it is Saturday, uh, January 22nd, a beautiful fucking day to be alive. If it's Monday the 24th, and you're on your way to work, look outside, and it's a beautiful fucking day to be alive. All the days are beautiful, as long as you're alive. So, coming from you, coming to you from Callahan, Colorado, this is Papa's Corner, Open Tabs, episode number four, I believe. And, uh, till next time, have a good one, everybody.